With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Raz Ball Podcast. I am Ralph Lifshitz. I am here, of course, with Gray Albright, and we are going through the top 20 plus, plus I say, second baseman for 2020 fantasy baseball. Gray Albright, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? How was your week? Uh, it was good, man. I had I had quite the Thursday, though, I tell you. Uh-oh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Okay, so last year, <laughs> as people might, uh, they might know that I was, I was without a car for, like, a year. I was doing, uh, I was a bird scootering everywhere, <laughs> which was, like, I mean, it was kind of insane. I'm surprised I'm still alive. But anyway, I made it through the year. I, uh, I was trying to, uh, I was seeing if I could do a whole year without a car. So, anyway. So last um, last year for my birthday, which is in January, I don't know how many people wished me a happy birthday, but anyway. Uh, happy birthday. Cougs, yeah, thank, thank you, thank you. It's not today, but thank you. Um, Coogs last year for my birthday bought me a personalized license plate. <laughs> so I had to, so I, so we had to put it on hold because I didn't have a car for like a year. So I finally bought a car in December. Um, so immediately, because like you get like a year to get this license plate, this personalized license plate. So I had to go to the DMV in December. Uh, so I went there and, you know, I was (laughs) stupid enough to go without an appointment. So I sat there for like three hours. Uh, eventually they called me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I go up and I, I tell them the situation. I tell them that I, I got a personalized license plate on hold and I need to get it because, you know, as of December 31st or whatever, I think it's, uh, that's when it expired. So I had to, I had to go pick it up. So they're like, okay, well, where's your plates now? And I'm like, well, I just got a car. So here's like my paper, my paper plates. And they're like, you, you can't do anything with those. <laughs> they're, they're useless. You can't. You can't give us paper plates. You need to actually get your license, your real license plates and then trade those in for the personalized plates. I was like, ah, I just waited three hours. You know, I gave them the song and dance and they're like, sorry, can't do nothing for you. But I can extend for how long you can go until you get your uh, your personalized plates. So I'm like, mm, okay. So uh, let's extend it then uh, through February. So they're like, okay, that's not a problem. So they extend it. So this past Thursday, I made an appointment. 
went back to the DMV, had an appointment for one o'clock. Uh, I get in there like, you know, 1245, pretty punctual. So I go in yeah. and uh, my one o'clock appointment ends up, I finally get called around three o'clock. <laughs> so I'm there for about two hours. So wow. I shaved an hour off of my time from not having an appointment. So I finally get to, uh, I get to the lady uh, who's, who's going to do this transaction. So I go in, I give her my real plates now. And I say, you know, you have personalized plates uh, for me. So she's like, okay, what did, uh, what were, what, what did you order? So I'm like, uh, let me see, <laughs> I gotta find out. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I know what the name, I know what it's supposed to say, but I, uh, I call, I, I uh, text Coogs because she's in New Orleans for the weekend, and I, I have to find out exactly how she wrote it. So it turns out that she got me personalized plates that say Yacht Rock. So it's Yacht Rock without a K. So I'm like, okay. So I write it down on the piece of paper for the lady at the DMV. I hand it to her, and she's like, okay. So she puts her uh, her knee up on her her rolly walker and rolls away from me. So about 25 minutes later, she rolls back, and she's like, there's no plates there for you. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. You have, you wrote down four A, C. No, I'm like, no, 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 that's not a four. That's a Y for Yacht Rock. <laughs> so she's <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, hold on a second. So she rolls away again. So about 20 minutes later, she rolls back and she's got the plates. I mean, it's like, it's like the, the sun <laughs> at the DMV. And she hands me the uh, personalized plates, and I look at them, and they're they're right. Everything's fine. I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. Okay, <laughs> great. So she's like, okay, I need to uh, I need to just um, you know put this through the computer. So I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, so I stand there, and she starts clicking her mouse, and she's like, uh, my computer's down, and it's time for my break. Wait here for a minute. <laughs> so oh my god. Like, and she rolls away for a half an hour break while I am. <laughs> she literally leaves me there. Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm on candy camera at this point. I'm like, how long have you been at her desk? Like, what? Like, I am standing at her desk. An hour? Close to an hour. Like, just standing there. It's now, it's 4 30. Eventually, she wheels back. And she sits in her chair, and she's like, mm, my computer's still down. <laughs> Hold on a second. So she goes to the manager, and the manager of the DMV is like, mm, nah, it looks like you're going to have to reschedule his appointment. <laughs> I'm like, no, I have my plates. They're like, oh, we're sorry. You can't, we can't do anything. The computers are down. <laughs> oh, my God. So they take away my personalized plates. They hand me back my old plates, and I'm like, "Like, wait, what, so what's the deal now? Like, what do I have to do? Like, it, uh, can I just like fill out something? Can you photocopy something?" They're like, "No, can't do anything for you. You're gonna have to make another appointment to come back again." <laughs> and then, so then I'm like, "Well, when can I make the appointment for?" And they're like, "Well." I, if I were you, I'd make it for before noon because usually our computers are good before noon and then they go off. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. wow. The DMV loses their computer systems after noon every day in Los Angeles. That's what I'm up against. Wow. So you're going to have to like schedule like an early morning appointment. You're going to have to go there for like 10 a.m. And you're still not going to leave until 4. You're still not going to leave until four. That's oh the worst part. They're like, well, you should have seen, you should have seen, there was, I mean, there was thousands of people there and they're like over the loudspeaker. They're like, the computers are down. We can't take any more people there. I seriously, I thought there was going to be the second LA riots. Like, well, I mean, I guess the third, <laughs> there's the Watts, Rodney King, and then the DMV riots. I mean, it was like mayhem of angry people. I was like, oh my God, this is like the worst place in the world. Everyone's about to riot. 
Now you know why. Wait, wait until they wait until you go back for a third time and they still don't give you the plates. Then you too will be ready to riot. You'll be you'll be leading the charge like Tony Montana at the beginning of Scarface. <laughs> Just stabbing people. I'm going to start banging on the cages. Let us out. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into second base here before we lose too much time here. Guaranteed to take you less time to probably write this post as large as it is, as in-depth as it is. Probably took you less time than it did for you to get these plates. In total, all effort put in, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sorry, my man. Well, let's start off here. First tier, we got Glaber Torres at number one. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Torres here? Yeah, well, I mean, you, as you probably know, I'm a, uh, a big fan of uh, Saber Hagen met- metrics, which is the uh, act of just looking at one guy's stats from one year and then uh, thinking he's going to have an off year every other year, um, just <laughs> just going for even or odd years for guys. Uh, but I don't know it, Glaber. Like, I, I saw someone was saying, uh, you know, what are some of the uh, the hardest guys to predict for this year? And uh, there was a lot of guys like people were saying like Tyler Glasnow and uh, they were, people were actually talk- and uh, Trevor Bauer. People were talking a lot about like uh, injuries, I think, you know, and yeah. Labor Torres doesn't have that. Like there's no like there's no injury concern. Um, I might have just jinxed them. <laughs> Sorry about that, Glaber. But there's yeah, I mean, there's no injury concern. I just I kind of feel like like if you look at his peripherals. They don't really equate to a 38 homer guy, which he was last year. He's, uh, you know, like I was saying in the post, his uh, ex slugging was about the same as Evan Longoria. Uh, he was really like he beasted, as most people know, he beasted against the Orioles, and then like everyone else, he was fine. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't bad really. I mean, he was actually really good last year, but he wasn't bad against other teams. He was just kind of average. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like he's one of those guys where I'm not 100% sure what to expect, which is why I'm kind of off of him. But I'm also off of him because, you know, his price is pretty high. He's going at a uh, at a, a clip of like, I think he's going like top 30 overall, maybe yeah. top 25. Uh, I just, I can't get in on it. I, I just don't feel like there's enough upside like you're paying basically for a repeat of last year if you're paying a 25 to 30 overall adp so i i mean i don't like I, last year i was really off of them uh and that actually <laughs> came back to bite me i was i was yeah. totally wrong on them last year but i now i'm kind of in the fa- in, I'm in the camp of like i'm not really 100 percent sure like he hits a ton of fly balls but also you know right now in the way the uh, baseball's like shooting out of stadiums, uh, fly balls aren't necessarily a terrible thing, but, and his park is good. So I could see, thir- like I projected him for 32 homers, which feels like about right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, yeah. you know. Uh, that Steamer might even be optimistic. Has, yeah, Steamer has 34, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I, he hit 24 in uh, two-thirds of a season in 2018. So he feels like a a 30-homer guy, um, you know, give or take three homers, or I guess four homers as far as Steamer's concerned. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm out on him, but I don't necessarily feel like you're dumb for taking him. I just feel like you're you're paying – you're paying his ceiling price. Like, you're not – there's no value to be had with Glaber Torres this year. Yeah, no, I think that's true as well. And what you have to hope is, you know, the fact that he is, you know, so young, going to be 23 for the entirety of the season, just turned 23 uh, middle of December, um, is that, you know, he could potentially improve that, you know, the peripherals, particularly the plate uh, discipline could improve a little bit. You know, the O swing goes down. He's not chasing as much. Playing strike rate will go down. Contact hopefully will go up. Um, You know, he does hit the ball relatively hard. Um, You know, he's not a, a complete masher. But he's got a quick enough bat. I think he can take advantage of, you know, his pull side, particularly when he's in Baltimore. And, uh, yeah, you know, he puts the ball in the air. So not not a, light, a lot to not like with Glaber, but 
the price. I do agree there. Number two, uh, still in the same first tier here, Jose Altuve, much maligned Jose Altuve. Gray, what do you make of Altuve for this year with all the stuff that's going on, man? I know, right? It's kind of crazy that he's uh, maligned now because, like, I, I feel like even if you didn't like him for fantasy up until about two months ago, it was kind of impossible to hate him because, like, he's the uh, underdog um, so, like, so dramatically with the height situation that it was like he was like the guy everyone rooted for, even if you weren't in on him for fantasy. But now, with the uh, yeah, with the whole bang, uh, uh bang, Benghazi um, <laughs> scandal, and uh, you know, um, Benghazi. <laughs> cheaty cheaty bang bang yeah i think the uh i don't know i mean i feel like altuve is uh just overrated at this point i i'm not, i'm totally out on altuve like i have i have no sort of trepidations about saying like uh, altuve is overrated and i wouldn't go anywhere near him like i you know i sort of hinted at with uh glaber i'm not i'm not like that with altuve i'm totally out on altuve and I have my reasons. I mean, his his steals have just uh, almost vanished completely. As yeah. you know, most guys as they start to get older, and it's just you know natural aging. You know, actually, this is kind of funny. It's a small aside, but <laughs> I was looking up um, sprint speed uh, for something I was writing, and uh, I saw the only guy uh, who <laughs> probably the only guy in the history of the world who actually got faster as he's gotten older is Manny Machado. <laughs> his, his, he was like the, he was a top, he was the bottom three for slowest from home plate to first for like three years in a row. But last year he got a hair faster because, you know, I mean, it, it's basically whether or not he wants to hustle. <laughs> this really has nothing to do with his actual speed. I mean, you look at him and you're like, he can leg out a double, he could steal 15 bases <laughs> if he wants, but he just doesn't want to run from home to first sometimes. Um, anyway, so Altuve, yeah, I mean, everything's sort of tanking for Altuve. Unfortunately for him, too, because if he has as bad a season as I think he could this year, it's going to be so hard for people not to say, oh, you see, no one's banging on trash cans, so he's cut, so he's now he's not as good as he was, which is really, I mean – it's hard to say anyone's being unfair to an Astro player this year because of what they did, but it is kind of unfair to say, like, you know, just because Altuve is not hearing bangs, suddenly he's not as good as he was. He's he's just aging. Like, he looks like, you know, his numbers look like a standard sort of aging of a uh, a guy who never, you know, I mean, he never was really – quote unquote that fast i mean maybe in like you know five years ago in like 2014 but he's not fast he's you know he he gets good he gets uh decent um line drives or whatever but his career homer per fly ball is under 10 percent after 10 after uh seven seasons and last year he hit 31 homers i don't know man i feel like fly balls for him are not the way uh, to success. So if he keeps hit, trying to hit more fly balls, I feel like it could end up tanking his average. I think Altuve just like got a lot of warning signs. So I would totally avoid him. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, no, uh, totally agree there. And, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. But another guy that, regardless of what kind of production he's put up, Kind of off of him, you know, fading him a little bit because of what the price tag is. Um, be interesting to see if his price tag drops, though, I guess. But I don't know if it actually will enough. Number three, the end of this first tier here. One of your old school boys, Gray. Somebody you were definitely banging the trash can hard for coming into the season. <laughs> Jonathan VR. 
now, now with the Marlins, I don't know how much do you think that discounts the price. Certainly less friendly home confines. Should he'll be able to run quite a bit though, I think, which is obviously good for his value. But I'll shut up. What are your thoughts on VR? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm out on VR too. I'm I'm out on these first three guys. VR, I uh, I liked last year. Obviously, like you said, I wrote a sleeper post for him. I was I was all in for his price with him going to the Orioles. I felt like it was like a perfect storm for fantasy. Like he was gonna like Camden was good for homers. He was gonna steal bases because the Orioles had nothing else going for them. And, you know, he never really was a bad average guy, which I think a lot of people, that, that might surprise people, you know, because I think, you know, he was considered a guy who didn't hit for a great average, but he wasn't, I mean, he's a 260 hitter for his career in 3,000 plate appearances. So he's not, he's not a bad hitter, but in Miami, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm out because, like, first of all, I think there's a 100% chance he gets traded in July. So immediately there's, you know, that where you don't know what's going to happen. Like I said to Rudy, I, uh, I posed the question, like, you know, Viar is going to get traded. What do you see his value going up or down? And Rudy was like 100% down. And I agree. I, I don't think there's any, I, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any way his value goes up. So, you know, like the most likely scenario is he gets traded to a contender. So if a team is a contender you have to assume they're going to have a good top three of their lineup now Viar's either going to become a utility man or he's going to be hitting in a lousy place in the lineup every day so he's he's definitely not staying a leadoff hitter for the whole year so that immediately is going to take some runs off of him and also if he goes to a contender he he's probably going to go into a utility role, so he may not even be an everyday player. So, I mean, there's a chance he goes to a contender who has who had an injury and he comes in and he plays 100% because he's filling in for a guy who's no longer playing, you know, like if, uh, you know, if someone goes down. But that's real risky. So I feel like Viar's value is going to change dramatically come, like, June, July. So right there, there's a big question mark with that. There's also what you said with Miami. Now, they brought the fences in a little bit, but who knows how that's going to play. It's it's never really been a great park for power. Fayar has been like, you know, he's closer to a 15 to 17 homer guy versus the 24 homers he hit last year. He really did have a great year last year. Um, and it's I can see people taking the uh, – the chance on him, but yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm 100 out on on Viar this year. I, I'm not going near him. Perfect. You know what, man? There we go. Top tier. I think the long story short, stay the hell away from those guys. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is Earth Gang, right? Earth Gang, Yo! your favorite group, your favorite down. tier. Yeah, top down. Oh my God, I love Earth Gang. It's like I just uh, uh, I was just looking at their uh, Twitter feed because I'm like a fan. I'm such a fanboy. I'm looking at a group's Twitter feed like that's gonna somehow <laughs> give me something other than just like here's a tweet for an upcoming show. Uh, yeah, I love Earth Gang. Anyway, yeah, Kettle Marte. Woohoo! Yes. Yeah, so number number one in this tier, number four overall, Kettle Marte. Um, you know, the results, he had the breakout year 20, uh, age 25 season, the results are there, you know, and he did make some tweaks. He hit the ball in the air more towards pull side, which led to harder contact as it typically does. Enjoyed the juice ball as well. Even if his home park isn't as good as it was a few years ago. I don't know. I'm still backing on, on Marte as well. I know there's some debate out there. We know where you fall, but why, why are you, uh, hyping up Marte? Why is he a guy you're excited to own? Yeah, no, I, Marte was like a guy who, honestly, when I went into doing my rankings back in December, I was looking at, you know, I, I try and go in as cold as I can without really having any preconceived notions. And I looked at Marte and I was like, wow, I really like Kettle Marte. Like I I saw like, you know, his launch angle, like you, you, you alluded to with the fly ball rate, his launch angle nearly, uh, actually more than doubled last year it went up to 11.5 which isn't you know i mean that is not necessarily a high launch angle but that is that's enough and it's also 
it's probably good for him because he still hits a ton of line drives and he's yep. like I think he's top 15 overall for um, expected batting average. Like he mm-hmm. is, he is basically Altuve uh, circa 2017 or 16. Like he is, I would say, I would expect a 310 average from Kettle Marte, and I don't expect a 310 average from from like anyone. I yeah. I basically feel like. You know, uh, 285 is like good. <laughs> 300 is great. 310 is like, I mean, you're basically Luis Urias, uh, I might be saying his name wrong, on the Twins, or Kettle Marte. Like, there's yeah. very few guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, a 310 average for him. Like, that is really good. That, that in itself changes the complexity of, like, your team if you're like, you know, I'm going to go – for a um, 260 power hitter and you have Kettle Marte, that's, you know, it it evens out everything. So, and he's going to have a ton of at-bats. So anyway, but also like, but going back to the uh, launch angle and the fly balls, he's not like, he's not a, he's not necessarily a guy who's going to hit, you know, 30 homers every year. Last year he hit 32, but he could hit 28, 28 homers and he has, like 7 to 12 steel speed, 28, 10, 310. You're talking about a guy that's basically, like I struggled to not put him in my top 20 overall. Like I love Kettle Marte. Like that's basically like, that's a uh, a hair off of Trevor Story, really. I mean, it's like basically a, uh, you know, top 25 overall guy. So, yeah, I'm I'm really in on Kettle Marte. Yeah, and uh, it was the Brewers with Urias, too. You, uh, I think you said the Twins, but I wanted to throw that uh, one out there. Oh, no, I didn't mean We know Urias. that. We know I that. Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I meant uh, Luis A-R-R-A-E-Z. I can spell. Oh. I can't pronounce it. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. I got, I got what you're saying, Luis Arreyes, yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, just one note to add too. Yeah, I mean, I think the batting average is sustainable because this guy kills anything in the zone. It's a plus ninety percent zone contact rate. That is bananas, you know. I know. Yeah, and he, and he hits the ball hard. So you know, it's almost like it's almost like Daniel Murphy when he made that that change. Only I think with the body and the age that Marte is. This production could sustain itself for three, four, five even years. And I think, you know, that's the biggest benefit. All right, let's move on from him. Another guy in this tier. I would say if there was like uh, a uh, Kettle Marte, like if someone was like Kettle Marte next year, where is he going to be ranked? I would say probably top 15. Like I feel like I might be low on him, even though I am higher than most people I've seen for their rankings. I think I'm low, but I think I think Kettle Marte – is going to be even higher. Like, uh, excuse me, I'm high on Kettle Marte. People, other people are much lower on him, but I think next year he's going to be even higher. Like, I feel like Daniel Murphy, when he was a top 20 overall pick, like, yeah. I don't know, a five, six years ago. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree. Let's move on to number five in this tier. Another young second baseman, uh, 23-year-old uh, switch hitter, by the name of Ozzy Albies. I think we all know him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Albies for this year, man? Uh, yeah, no, he also, like, he shocked me with, like, <laughs> this whole tier. By the way, this, I mean, you said it was Earth Gang. I mean, this whole tier, I just, I love these guys. I'm, like, all in on all of them. And also, like, in a bigger picture type gen- general um, discussion on second baseman, I'm, I was out on the uh, first three guys who are the top second baseman, uh, but... I'm really in on these guys, so I could see myself drafting a second baseman in the top, like, 40 overall, just not those first three guys. Because, uh, like, Kettle Marte, Ozzy Albies, I love Ozzy Albies just like I love Kettle Marte. Like, Ozzy Albies feels like a guy where you're like, you look at his numbers. So over the last two years, he's averaged 24 homers each season and 15 steals. <laughs> What is something? What's wrong with that? I mean, I understand offense is up, but 25, 15, 285, 290. Uh, 
yeah, in a good lineup. Like, I, I feel like Ozzy Albies is just being taken for granted with his early ADP. Like, there's no reason Albies, like, Albies hasn't shown up really in the top 25 overall for anyone, but he's he should be in that discussion. Like, he has been, uh, you know, like, you look at, Say okay, so say Altuve versus Albies. Altuve, assuming the power really is there again this year, like it was yet last year. So thirty-seven to ninety for Altuve. Well, Ozzy Albies is twenty-five fifteen to ninety. So I don't know. It sounds Albies sounds better to me, and he's younger, and he's got upside, and he's got. Lineup like I'm yeah I mean not that Altuve's lineup's that bad obviously but Albies is like yeah Albies I feel like is a guy who I'm definitely gonna be drafting in a lot of leagues this year too. Yeah, and I felt like his numbers against righties were improved. Um, he mashes mashes lefties. He hit 389 against left-handed pitching last year with 11 homers. So he's a guy that like if lefties are in the lineup, you know, it's fine. Um, and, yeah, I think the other thing, too, is he started to hit the ball harder. He hits the ball in the air. Um, him coming up, I think everyone really discounted what the power was. Um, but he's been able to provide the production. And, you know, he had a 325 batting average on balls in play last year. I think that's totally sustainable uh, with his speed and the fact that he's hitting the ball harder. If it drops down a little bit, I think he's a guy, like you said, that can still hit 280. He was a 260 hitter with a 285 uh, baby, which is obviously – um, a little bit low for a guy with his abilities. But all right, let's keep moving on. Another guy in this tier, another young second baseman. Young uh, sort of uh, uh, boost of talent that's come in the last couple of years. Keston Heria is number six. Uh, great. Talk to me about Heria, man. He had a, a nice a nice showing last year. Yeah, no, he did. Um, so there was a, a couple of things that jumped out at me with Heria. Uh, one one uh, more general point was I, I talk about this in my top 100 that is dropping Wednesday, I believe. Uh, I don't see I don't see myself drafting here yet. <laughs> not that not that I wouldn't because he is in a tier of guys I love and I do love him and I would draft him in a, you know, uh, in a hypothetical sense. But in reality, I don't see myself drafting them because Kettle Marte and Ozzy Albies are always there for me to draft. So it's like, how many guys can I draft? Like, if I'm always taking <laughs> Marte or Albies, I'm not going to be able to take three second basemen in the first, like, four picks. So it's like, I, I just don't see myself drafting them. To be, like, that's just honest because... I don't see him being there in a position for me to have to take him or or want to take him because I just will already have a second baseman that by that point if I'm looking at second base. So anyway, so Herrera, I think there's a uh, it's he's an interesting guy because I don't know real like he is another great hitter. I mean, a couple of these guys are just like tremendous hitters. So I know. Like, I could see him hitting, like, I have him down for a 264 average in my projections. He's getting projected for 271 on Steamer. And he hit 303 last year, but that was with a 402 ba uh, Babbitt. So so something's, you know, and a 30.7% uh, strikeout rate. So something's yeah. got to give there with Horea. Now, I know, you know, his strikeout rate was probably high because he was just getting used to the majors, and that's probably going to drop a lot. Like, I, I always go back to the example of Anthony Rizzo. When he came up, he was a 32% K rate guy, and now he's like 12% K rate. So it's like that'll come down. I'm not too worried about Horea's batting average. I don't think he's going to bottom out and become like a 240 hitter, like that a 31% strikeout rate should be. I, I think he's fine there. I, I'm not too worried about that. But I will say, like, he doesn't have, you know, insane – I don't think he has this insane power or speed. Like, I, I think it could be very decent. Like, you know, similar to Kettle Marte – Basically, his power and speed I see as being exactly like Kettle Marte even. Like, you know, like 27 homers and 10 steals. So 27 homers and 10 steals isn't bad, but Kettle Marte is bringing that with a, you know, like I said before, a 310 average, where Herrera, 
as I said, you know, just before he, I have him projected for 264. He could hit 275. He he could hit 280, but I don't see him necessarily as a 300 hitter coming into this year. So I I like him though. I just have you know a few small issues with uh, some of what he did last year and how it's going to translate to this year. Yeah, and I, you know I'd be interested to see what his uh, plate discipline numbers were uh, in the second half. Um, because they're not great overall. There's some, you know, 17.5% swing and strike rate. O swing is 35.1%. His zone contact is under 80%, 76.9. And his actual contact overall rate is 65.8, which is not good. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a little bit of like Reese Hoskins kind of uh, risk kind of creeping in there that, you know, he overproduced his numbers, uh, in my opinion. But I will say this, you know, he was a guy coming up where um, – I think all of us had a really uh, um, high opinion of his actual hit tool and based bats of ball skills. He made some tweaks to get into a little bit more power. Um, and it looked like the plate approach improved a little bit. He walked a lot more in the second half, was still striking out at 30% rate, um, but was putting the ball in the air more and hitting it a lot harder. And the numbers really were padded heavily by his incredibly hot second half. So to be, be interested to see if, you know, he continues with that or if he, if he ticks back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. No, I, you know, it's interesting too, on the, uh, a, 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 a brief aside with uh, Herrera, like he's getting drafted on average. Like I think, uh, let me see, I can look super fast. Uh, he's getting drafted on average around 40th overall. So oh, wow. high. So that's high. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, that, that is high. So anyway, but like, what's interesting is Herrera is never, you know, he's shown not like a long, a, a, he doesn't, he doesn't have a long track record in the majors. He's shown the ability to hit, obviously. He did well in his half a season. So I can understand being excited about him. But he is getting going in the top 40s, whereas a guy like Danny Santana is going around like 130 overall. Now, Danny Santana also, like, I feel like it's just because Danny Santana failed for so many years. And then last year, people look at it more as like a fluke when a guy breaks out after failing. Whereas Herrera, people haven't seen any failure, so they're like, we're all in, we're going. You know, I mean, obviously they're not the same player. There's <laughs> there's differences there with, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, you know, his projections. Uh, but still, I just it's just interesting to me that, like, if a guy doesn't fail at all, everyone goes in, like, hard. And if a guy does well last year, but has a history of failing previously, suddenly people are, get cold feet and they're like, nah, I don't trust them. Anyway. Yeah, uh, agree there. So number seven, we're gonna st skip over because we already had a rant on him last week. That's Matt, Max Muncie, one of the top first basemen. We already covered him. The end of this tier is number eight, Mike Moustakis, recently signed with the Reds. Looks like he might be getting some time potentially early on at third base. There's a chance, right? There's a chance here with, of course, uh, Eugenio Suarez um, sustaining an injury in a pool of all places in the offseason. So what are your thoughts on Moustakis? Looks like he's uh, going to be in a great park. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, Moustakis is always, for whatever reason, he always feels underrated uh, that I can't really put my finger, my finger on why exactly. I think uh, – you know, maybe people, it might go back to like, I feel like people overrate how important uh, an average is maybe. I mean, I don't know. Cause like he doesn't necessarily ever do, you know, I mean, he's like been as consistent as, as Nelson Cruz with power and, you know, hitting for like a, you know, 250. Okay. So Moustakas, his average has been a, lo a little bit lower than Nelson Cruz, but I mean, he's been consistent Every year, like, Moustakas has basically been, like, a 35-homer guy now for quite a few seasons. And he has, uh, you know, he has, like, a 250 average, which is not bad. And going, you know, like you said, going to the new park, you know, he could do what Suarez did last year when Suarez, you know, uh, I believe was, like, you know, what, 47 homers last year for Suarez? Uh, I'm going off the top of my head. I think it's something like that. So... Yeah, I mean, Mustafa.
57. Oh, uh, Suarez actually hit 49 last year. So, yeah, I mean, Mustakas could hit 45-plus homers in that park. I mean, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. So, I mean, he feels like a safe 35 uh I don't know, maybe a hair less power than, say, Pete Alonso and about the same average. I mean, not too far off. Pete Alonso is going to hit 260. Moustakas will hit 255. Moustakas could hit 45 homers. I mean, how much do you expect him from Pete Alonso? It's not really that, you know, it's not that huge of a difference. So, yeah, I like Moustakas a lot. All right. That's the uh, the end of the Earth Gang tier. Let's move on. <laughs> this is the uh, the slutty fungi tier. This is uh, DJ LeMayhew at number nine, Whit Merrifield at 10, Eduardo Escobar at 11, and Jeff McNeil at 12. I don't think we have to dig in one, one by one. We certainly can if you would like. Um, High-level thoughts and maybe maybe pick a couple guys to highlight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, well, first, I don't like this tier. I don't like these guys. I know you don't. I'm not, I'm, I'm out on them. I, I think, uh, you know. What? Lemayu, yeah, I mean. You don't like Merrifield? Really, no way. LeMahieu, yeah, LeMahieu we went over in the first baseman, but Merrifield, yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised, actually, to, to be totally honest, I'm surprised anyone's drafting Merrifield, let alone where yeah. they're drafting him. I mean, right now. Merrifield is going uh, on average 48 overall. He's gone as high as 30. I mean, I don't like, I'm surprised anyone's drafting him in the top 100, let alone in the top 50. I mean, people are really crazy. I don't know. I mean, Merrifield's obvious avoid for me. He, he has, you know, massively declining speed and he's never been a power guy. So you could, you could potentially end up with Adam Eaton with Merrifield, which uh, by that I mean like 15, 15, 290. That could be Merrifield. It could also be Adam Eaton. So that sucks. Uh, moving on. Uh, I also don't like um, Jeff McNeil. Well, I, well, you mentioned Eduardo Escobar. I don't like him. I think it's obvious. Uh, you know, his, his numbers scream regression. And Jeff McNeil is similar uh, similar in that – like, he was never, you know, going into last year, last year he hit 23 homers, uh, stole five bags, and hit 318. That was like, I don't think Jeff McNeil thought he was capable of that. <laughs> like, that is just, like, insane year for a guy who appeared to be, like, a uh, 15 to 18 homer, uh, five steal, two... 85 hitter maybe to you know 293 maybe 305 like he's i mean he's a decent hitter don't get me wrong i mean he is a good like contact hitter but he's just he's not really that exciting for fantasy so he was a surprise too for like some people who uh are still drafting him like relatively high again he's going right now jeff mcneil's going like as high as 54 overall which is goofy I mean, that's just, that's just goofy. I don't know. All right. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree there, too. Um, all guys I'll probably avoid. I don't know. I got a soft spot a little bit for McNeil, but I'm staying the hell away from Escobar. Certainly with Merrifield, as you said, I think he's going he's gonna to lose, you know, more speed this year, and eventually, you know, it's going to be just sort of empty average at that point. Uh, he's also playing center field this year. I don't know, so he could lose second base eligibility if he doesn't actually play at second base at all uh, throughout the season. So that's something to watch as well. All right, let's get into the next tier. This tier goes from uh, Kevin Biggio all the way out to Kevin Newman. Got a few guys in this tier, and the name of this one is Telling People You're a Professional Soccer Player. Explain the <laughs> tier name, and then let's jump into Kevin Biggio. Uh, well, the tier name I mean by that is like you you don't have to actually be an athlete, but you can tell people you're a soccer player, and because no one knows what any soccer players are, who any <laughs> soccer players are in the U.S., you can get all the perks of being a professional athlete without actually without actually being a professional athlete. 
Because you can go into a bar and tell a girl, hey, yeah, I play professional soccer. I mean, who's to say? No one has any idea who any soccer players are. So that's uh, that's this tier. You're getting the perks of upside without having to actually, you know, work too hard for them because all these guys are going relatively low in drafts. So that's this tier. I like them all. I feel like they're all going at a uh, good discount. I think, uh, you know, the order that I have them, it's kind of how I would, it's how I would take them, obviously, but it's also like, you know, I've said this before and, um, you know, in other uh, variations of this, that like, if a guy, if guys are all in the same tier, I may not take Biggio first in every draft just because he's the first guy in the tier. I may take Kingery instead of him, or I may take Danny Santana, or I may take even like, you know, um, Tommy Edmond. Like, there's a lot of guys in this tier. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in this tier that I really like. Like, you know, going from, you know, going on Biggio specifically, I, you know, the average last year uh, was a concern for sure. He, he hit 234 uh, with a 309 Babbitt. Uh, probably, I, I would say he's probably actually a, a little bit higher on a Babbitt guy. He's probably, I would say he's closer to 315, 320 on Babbitt, even though uh, Steamer's projecting him for a 295 uh, Babbitt. But so, you know, 295 Babbitt on those projections, obviously Steamer thinks he's going to hit relatively the same. I don't know. I mean, I think he could raise his average maybe close to 250. I don't, I don't see him necessarily as a horrible average guy like uh, some of these people. So I think, you know, the big thing with Biggio is you're getting a cheap 2020 guy, which is valuable. I mean, it's super valuable. You want, you know, you it, as much as you can, you want to try and draft as many guys who are giving you power and speed versus just going for power or speed. So that's, you know, at a, uh, I mean, at this point, we're looking at, these are more MIs versus second baseman. And at your MI position, a 2020 250 guy is really valuable. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely an um, I think, uh, I think he could potentially even, you know, like he's a guy who could shoot up in drafts next year. Like he has solid floor. He has a solid floor, but also upside. So I'm in. Yeah, and there's actually what four four guys in this tier that you did sleeper posts on. Um, yeah. So obviously this is you know Kingery being one. I know you mentioned him a little bit. We talked about Danny Santana, number fifteen, last week in the first baseman. Um, you wrote a sleeper post about Lourdes Curiel, another guy that I totally agree. I could I could see myself taking some chances on. Um, I love this tier as well. You know, um, I may be Curiel over Biggio, but I can see the speed power component there, kind of pushing it over the edge. It does depend on what you see. Uh, in terms of the batting average, his plate approach is awesome. He's always going to be a really high on base uh, guy. He hits a ton of fly balls. He's creeping really close to 50%, which I think ultimately downs his uh, batting average on balls and play a little bit. But that doesn't mean he couldn't hit 260 um, with a little bit of luck and maybe a few tweaks. So this totally agree not, there. Yeah, this is not necessarily, um, you know, this isn't set in stone. And, and line, well, lineup. Yeah, uh, lineups aren't set in stone at this point, obviously. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. one's played any games. We don't know how lineups are going to shake out. But as of right now, I see Guriel potentially batting third. That alone, that's like yeah. such a – I mean, that could be like basically worth his draft pick alone. Like if he hits 250 in the three-hole, so that means like essentially – 80 plus runs, 80 plus RBIs, maybe even 90 RBIs. That's like essentially his draft pick. Like that alone gives you the value for the draft pick. Then you throw in his power and handful of steals. Like Gurriel is absolutely a sleeper for me this year. Like I think he is so wildly underrated. Yeah, no, love him a lot. Um, big fan. Number 17, Tommy Edmond. Uh, another guy you wrote a sleeper post on. And uh, the number 18 is Gavin Lux. I know you did a fantasy. Two guys that I want to own as well. I mean, this tier, I, I could see myself owning like three of these guys at the end of the draft because I think there's going to be a ton of value from top to volume. Uh, to, bleh, from top to bottom. I can barely talk today, as usual. 
Great. Anything you wanted to add on Edmund or Lux, or you want to keep on moving to uh, the next yeah, handful I was of guys? Just say that, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that I probably, you know, I, I might have tipped my hand as to how off I am on the top second baseman, uh, meaning like uh, the uh, Viar, Altuve, uh, Glaber here. Like, I'm so off of them, but I, I gave a ton of options later. Like, as you said, you want to own a bunch of these guys. I wrote sleeper posts for a bunch of these guys. Like this tier is filled with guys for your MI for your MI spot. Like you, there's so many options at second base if you wait a little bit. Like you don't have to wait long. Like you know, I mean, Edmund is right now. Like for one example, Edmund's going around 150 overall. He's gone as late as 190 overall. I mean. I'm expecting, you know, a 15-25 season from Edmund. So unless, you know, I mean, I, I don't love him batting at the bottom of the order in uh, St. Louis, but I don't think Fowler is necessarily, necessarily, you know, locked into the leadoff spot just because he did it last year. I, I could see Edmund moving up to leadoff, which would be a, a boon for his value. I, I mean, he's another guy. Like Gavin Lux, yeah, like you said, like these guys are like next to, like they're so cheap in drafts. You got, I mean, people out there who are listening, you got to draft, like draft a bunch of these guys. They're gonna be so good. Yeah, this is this is a, a tier. I think that um, if you get a few of these guys, um, you could potentially, you know, really make the season. You know, um, it's it's really about hitting the guys that are after like round nine, ten, eleven that, you know, pay dividends. And I think these are guys that are going to do that, um, whether it be Evan or Lux, just about how the lineup shakes out. And I think that can be said for the next four guys, really. Um, I'll kind of lump them together because we've talked about a few of them, and you had a sleeper about another one. But number 19, Tampa Bay Rays, Brandon Lau. Uh, number 20, Michael Chavez, uh, Boston Red Sox. We'll see how that shakes out with Mitch Moreland now signing. 21, Ryan McMahon. We'll see if he's done his prospect penance and has finally earned a full-time job, as often happens, a la Charlie Blackman and a lot of Rockies players that were on the roster for three, maybe even four years before they really got their shot. And then number 22 is a guy you did write a sleeper on in the offseason. And I think, you know, had some things that happened last year, came back up, and I think he showed that he can be a valuable player in fantasy. That's Ian Happ of the Cubs, number 22. Um, I don't know if you want to talk, touch on him individually, touch on him kind of as a group. Do what you want. Yeah, no, you I, think the, uh, <laughs> I think the, well, I mean, we talked about on the first base, we talked a little bit about Allow. Uh, I think, you know, with uh, McMahon, he's in a he's in a great place. You know, if his uh, batted ball profile was in any other, uh, was in any other stadium, I probably wouldn't be in on him because he does hit a ton of ground balls, which is a real worry. But if he can just, if he can just tweak his swing just a bit, just a little bit, and start hitting some more uh, fly balls. Ryan McMahon could be a steal in all drafts. Uh, yeah. And Ian Happ, this is uh, this is how it is every day with Ian Happ. I'll uh, I'll look at my um, I'll look at the news feed uh, for like what has gone on in the league. And every day I'm like, you know, I uh, I knock on wood before I look because at some point I I worry the Cubs are going to sign someone and Happ's going to be out of the job. <laughs> But as of right Cubs now, signing anyone. Still, I know, like, I, I, it's still shocking to me that the Cubs became a small market team this offseason. <laughs> at some point, I keep seeing these rumors and like, oh, my God, you know, like, uh, uh, where's, uh, you know, Castellanos going to go? And it's like, don't, God damn it, don't say the Cubs, go anywhere else. Oh, great, he went with the Reds. Oh, <laughs> exhale. So, yeah, I mean. I like Ian Happ a lot. I think as long as he has a full-time job, which as of right now, <laughs> he's got a full-time job. So I'm in on Ian Happ for sure. All right, man. I agree. I like it. All right, let's move on to the last couple guys in this tier. Uh, some of you almost wrote a sleeper post about, that being Colton Wong, who I've seen in a lot of drafts early this year, mocks everything. It seems like he's super undervalued. Like if you're in a 15-team league with utility – and, you know, corner infield, middle infield spots so where the rosters are deeper, I think Wong is really good value. And then number 24, Kevin Newman, who's a guy that uh, I think quietly had a pretty good year and could 
you know, be another guy. It's a bit of a sleeper, maybe worth even a post. Yeah. So what are your thoughts totally. on two of those guys? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think with like Wong goes back to what I was saying, you know, previously with like if guys fail, like the uh, Hurea comparison I made to Danny Santana, like if guys fail and then succeed, people are, are, are less inclined to get in on them than the guy who has never failed. But, like, Kelton Wong did fail for a bunch of years, but he was good last year, so I don't know. I mean, I, like, yeah, for his price, like, he's currently going 220 overall in drafts. For that price, that's basically free. So you take a gamble on Wong with, like, a 12-homer, 20-steal, 265 270 season i mean that's like it's free you're playing with house money after 200 overall so yeah no i'm definitely in on him and newman newman i'm like eh, i like newman don't get me wrong and i would draft him uh but he is also like the pirates are just so awful <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I mean the pirates are just like there's such a massacre on that team like i don't even I don't know. I mean, we've you've talked about it uh, previously about like revenue sharing and stuff. Like it's just appalling what the pirates have done. That the fact that they're oh, going yeah. out and like they're like they're actively going out and looking at guys like Derek Holland. Like what? <laughs> like what? Are you serious, man? Like come on, guys. Like looking uh, that I I actually looked at uh, I, I someone brought up Jared Alevia. I, I might be saying the last name wrong. Oliva? Uh, uh, Oliva, yeah. Someone brought him up as, like, a potential replacement for uh, center. Yeah. And I was like, hey, hey, that's not a bad idea. Or actually no. left, I guess, because um, they have Brian Reynolds in center. But that's, yeah. I was like, that's not a bad idea at all for, like, a deep draft pick going, uh, like, a draft champions where you're drafting and there's no waivers. Uh -huh. I was like, that's great. And then I thought about it. I was like, the Pirates are dumb, man. I mean, the Pirates just don't do anything <laughs> that excites anyone ever. So, I don't know. I like Kevin Newman, though. I think he probably could be a cheap 7, uh, 720, 285, 290 hitter. So, yeah, I mean, that's good. It's not bad, but uh, I don't know, Pirates. Yeah, exactly. All right, man, let's move into this next tier here. This goes uh, from Ruben Ordor at number 25 all the way out to number 34, which is Louis Urias. Um, I'll just run through these guys pretty quickly. Your boy, like I said, number 25, Ruben Ordor, how times have changed. Number 26, Jonathan uh, Scope. Number 27, uh, Garrett Hampson. Number 28, Jerickson Profar. 29, Tommy Listella. 30, Darlin Castro. 31, Nick Madrigal, 32, Mauricio Dubon, number 33, Isan Diaz, and 34, as I mentioned, Louis Urias. Um, yeah, pick a handful of guys here that you want to dig into, touch on, whatever. There's some names I think I could see myself drafting here, too, but the leagues would have to be deeper, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Dubon, I'm, I'm kind of interested in Dubon. I think he... Uh, you know, he, the Giants are possibly one of the worst teams ever. Uh, their lineup is – their lineup's almost as set as the Pirates' lineup. But Dubon, I don't know. I mean, he could surprise uh, with something. I'm really interested in Madrigal. I think, um, you know, people are assuming – like, I, I think people – you know, I, I've been guilty of it myself, but people fall back – on like depth charts that are considered accurate and they're not always accurate. Like, Especially this you know, early. You know, yeah, it's early. Exactly. And people I, I see right now, Lori Garcia as the second baseman in white sock in uh, Chicago for the white Sox. I see him being listed as the second baseman. I'm like, mm, really? <laughs> I mean, the white Sox went out and did all this, this offseason, like good stuff. Like the White Sox obviously are going for mm. it, which is great. And they're going to go with Garcia as their second baseman. That doesn't really compute fully. So I don't know. I mean, Madrigal could be up as soon as yeah. like May, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say, but he's a great flyer in a deep league where you're like, I can sit on him for a month. And maybe he's up and, you know, he could give you 20 steals in like two thirds of a season. 
Yeah. Um, another guy in this one was uh, Asian, uh, Asian Diaz. I'm having one hell of a Isan, Isan, Isan Diaz. Isan Diaz, right, right. Yeah, so I, I really believe the Marlins are going to give him every opportunity to succeed or fail. Uh, I don't really see, you know, like right now it looks like he could be in a little bit of a platoon with Birdie, but I don't know. Birdie can float uh, around. He or can fly. Play instead of, he, can, he can play instead of Dickerson. He can play instead of Brinson. Like Birdie can get uh, at bats elsewhere. I think Diaz is really like he's kind of locked in to a 500 at bat season if he can get going well in the beginning like if he if he's hitting well in like april may and and by well i mean you know like some power uh you know uh, not much but some and nothing really else like he just needs to not hit two he just needs to hit not he doesn't he needs to avoid hitting 170 <laughs> like brinson or something you know like he just needs yeah. to avoid a 0 for 75 slump basically and he will have the playing time so he could like sneak into a 25 homer season uh you mm. know probably hit 235 but i mean he could possibly do something there uh so i i'm interested in him for sure and luis urias I, I'm not that concerned about he broke his hammock bone. I mean, which you know I, that that was great for Olson. You know, so chalk Urias up for a uh, 35 homer season now. Uh, <laughs> the broken hammock bone is like the new steroids. So I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> concerned about the broken hammock bone with Urias, but I do think, like at best, he feels like an eight hole hitter and. They have Arcia breathing down his neck, and we really have like we haven't seen anything from Urias on the major league level. That doesn't mean it can't happen. He's still he's only 22 years old, but he has been so far really bad. And you know, like we were saying, well, you want to say your Padres uh, anecdote? Yeah, and I, I know that a lot of folks that were sort of uh, in the organization, affiliated with the the team, and follow the team, whatever. The whispers were there over the last year that this guy, um, you know, with the the leg kick that he added, he kind of changed his swing to try to get more power, that he really struggled on fastballs up in the zone. Um, I heard that he changed back to his old setup. Uh, so potentially that means that he could get back to me being more of like a contact guy, probably, you know, could take advantage of the power when need be uh, in a better ballpark. But I think there's some concerns from folks within the organization that was relatively high on him coming into 2019 or maybe even more like 28 coming out of 2018 that with some of the tweaks, there were some things, there were some concerns that he maybe never hits for fully power uh, and not a lot of speed and no power. You could be looking at a guy with an empty average. Um, you know, if you want to be negative, maybe there's something that changes there, but yeah, he's a guy that, you know, for his price, I'm still not in on him. The injury kind of added insult to injury or vice versa. Uh, whatever you want to say. So, yeah, he's a guy that I'm out on as well. But, I, you know, a couple of these other guys in this tier, Diaz is a guy that walks a lot. So even when he struggles, I think he's better than than Brinson. He, I'll, I'll say he's also a Massachusetts high school player. So there aren't many guys from Massachusetts high schools that are good players. Um, <laughs> Madrigal is a guy that he's kind of a throwback, man. Your grandfather would love him. Goes the other way, puts the ball in play. He upped his uh, his fly ball rate quite a bit this year. But he had, like, I think in our Prospects Live, we do the estimated fly ball leaderboards, uh, if you're not using those, for minor leaguers. It's under our minors graphs tab. Um, but I was looking at it last night because I had to write him up because he's on our top 100. And his fly balls rated in terms of distance, estimated fly ball distance, it's like 270. He's, like, bottom – he's, like, 600th out of, like, 680 players that we have rated – so he's really low, and some of those games, the last 29 games, were with the uh, the AAA baseball in the uh, in the uh, international league. So I have my questions about power. He absolutely can run. He's a 70 runner. He can field his position at second base, and he's a 70 hit. He's a guy that you know has 95% contact rates in the minors, just in general. Anything in the zone, he's going to hit. But he's just probably not going to. He's going to be more of a D Gordon, I think. Than anything else, uh, just not a lot of power there, but some speed and certainly very good average. Could be a good guy at the top of the lineup, and he should be up in May. I think you're right there. 
Anything you want to add uh, additionally on the second baseman here? I got to say, finishing up myself, this position's deeper than it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not bad. I didn't even mention uh, Hanser Alberto, which I, in deep leagues, I'm yeah. interested. Uh, and, uh, you know, for a deep league, there might be something to Nick Solak, depending on playing time. Sure. Uh, I think there's also – I liked Peraza up until last week when Moreland got signed and Chavez appears to be headed to second. So Peraza could be squeezed. Uh, I don't He's know. He's the new Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Peraza, maybe the Red Sox finally move on from that Jackie Bradley Jr. experiment. I mean, that's actually – that Probably not. Uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, in reality, probably not. <laughs> but, I wouldn't want him to, I, be I, honest. You know, I, put it, it, it's like the, the uh, secret. You put it out into the universe and you hope it comes true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, a, But this is, but you're right, this is a deep position. This is a position I'm, I'm really excited for, like, you know, those tiers we mentioned. I think, you know, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably drafting a second baseman, like, in uh, the top 50-ish area, the Kettle Marte area, I'm probably taking one in there, and then I'll, and then I'm probably taking an MI potentially from that uh, Kingery um, Edmund tier that we talked about. So I'm like, I'm in on at least seven to eight, of, like seven to ten of these guys, like in hard. Like I'm really excited about a good, probably ten of them, and you only need one or two so yeah i mean there's plenty of guys to draft for second base i think yeah totally agree all right gray that's it we're all done second baseman in the bag catchers in the bag first baseman in the bag moving on to shortstops or third baseman next week what are we doing oh man i gotta go uh i'm gonna say shortstops that's a that's another deep position man shortstops are sexy too so till next week Save your boners for next week, Gray. All right, people. We'll see you then. Full pants tent.